You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome to the Riverwise Podcast. This is a podcast grown in Detroit, bred in the hearts of the Bog Center and the magazine, built around the community, doing our best to bring stories of sustainability, self-reliance, and the activism that comes from it. My name is Amas Mohammed, and with me, as always, is the managing editor of the Riverwise Magazine, Mr. Eric Campbell. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing actually very well. Thank you, Amas. It's good to be here. It's good to have this podcast up and running, and uh, you know, in the new year, it's um, we've got some we've got some uh, big plans for the podcast and the magazine and the website, and so we're in that kind of you know fresh idea kind of mode. So yeah, I'm feeling good about uh, all things Riverwise right now. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I think that we've got, you know, the slate that's uh, we've set out ahead of us, the stories that we're going to bring is going to be incredible and and the aesthetics that are going to shift around it and the the work that we're going to do is is invigorating and exciting and keeps me engaged with this and, and engaged with you and, and the folks that we bring on and the conversations we have. Yeah, I mean, as much as, uh, you know, it, our schedule has been sort of scattered throughout the summer, like like, like, like many folks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a hell of a year. Yeah, but I think that you know we've 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 produced enough uh, as far as podcast content to know that this you know to hope well to I think to know that you know this this is potentially a valuable platform to an, an extension of the work we're doing in the magazine and um, you know it's, it's another place for people to share their voice and share their work. So um, hopefully we can get to the point where we're, you know we're once a week sounds crazy, but you know, once uh, a week is really what we're, what we're shooting for in the coming year. We'll, we'll get there soon. Yeah, I think so. And I want to do a quick shout out to all of our listeners and the readers of the magazine who stuck with us, even in our meandering schedule, mm-hmm. um, who've kept with us. And you know, as we keep up with the stories that are happening in the city and around the country and globally, honestly. So, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, certainly with the magazine, there's, there's no shortage of you know folks who are um, doing visionary work and are willing to share their stories with us. So, um, you know, it's about us, uh, you know, making that schedule happen and, uh, and putting it out there. So, I mean, you said it in, it in the beginning, it's a new year. We are heading in, we, we are starting a new administration. There is fresh pages and notebooks, fresh pencils sharpened, and, and the conversations we have are really directed to some of the things that have, you know, began last year but now we're really you know still as relevant and gaining steam and and being you know actions being taken around them many things but specifically what we're talking about today. yeah yeah it's an interesting moment in the sense that you know i think we're all breathing for lack of a better term a sigh of relief but also knowing that you know there's still some great work to be done uh you know in the best possible case we're going to go back to you know, in, in all sorts of policies and all sorts of facets uh, where we were proud of Trump. And, um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, we're going to hear about some of that today, actually. 
I need to do some couple interviews and um, around the issue of housing evictions, and um, that's one of the areas in which there's a crisis, no doubt. Um, but the real solutions to that crisis stem from policy that go, you know, beyond Donald J. Trump, and we're hoping that uh, the new administration will at least begin to address the worst parts of the crisis. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting that you know we we reflect or reflect on. I mean, things are still happening, but reflect on the the year that was twenty twenty, and how it brought to, or shown a stronger light on things that were already chronic and entrenched and terrible far before this mm-hmm. past year. But having something that was, you know, so non-specific, if there was no uh, specific group that was affected more or less. I mean, that's actually arguing. Sorry, that's not true. Um, disenfranchised groups were were in predominantly more hit by the pandemic. But having a pandemic that is global mm-hmm. in scope shines a light on some of these things that now can no longer be avoided, and and how we address them and how we move forward with them um, will really improve to you know improve our merit as as a country as a community as civil as, as citizens together yeah, i think more people are looking at the kind of change that we really need to establish um you know what some will call the beloved community the kind of change we really need to look look towards is, is, is systemic um and we saw that more than ever during uh, during the past several months during 2020 when um, you know several systems were in crisis health, uh, economic, and, uh, and certainly the, the legal system as well, all, all need to be uh, looked at you know, from the ground up. And I think more people are now prepared to do that. So that, I, mean, I guess you can, you can consider that an opportunity, I suppose. Yeah. So today we are talking with, how'd you, how'd you cue us up for the conversation? Yeah, um, we're, so we're going to talk about um, one of the things uh, that, that came to the forefront, um, but, but again, was certainly a, a crisis before the pandemic, and that's housing evictions. We're seeing thousands and thousands of, of, of people um, affected by the pandemic and um, what it's done to uh, the employment situation. You know, the, the CDC, the federal agency CDC has responded, the state has responded, but what, you know, what we're talking about um, and what came to a head on the uh, Wednesday, January 13th, during a National Day of Action around housing evictions, is that the moratorium that was established in September by the CDC, which said that you know, housing evictions, um, uh, which brought an end to uh, uh, evictions, um, it, it's that that policy is not strong enough. Uh, and beyond that, we're seeing, you know, according to our guests, we'll hear in a moment, um, you know, people are still being evicted. But, they're still being evicted because of the fact that there's not um, there's not proper enforcement happening at the local level. You know, even though there's this federal moratorium that uh, that uh, is in place now. So, we're, so what what folks are looking for is for the moratorium to be extended throughout the pandemic. Number one, number two, they're looking for the for the moratorium to be strengthened um, at the local level so that there are enforcement mechanisms such that you know people can't slip through the cracks. And um, you know the CDC is calling it a health, you know, a health consideration, which it certainly is. But it's also uh, it's also a racial justice and economic uh, justice issue as well. So uh, we're going to hear uh, we're going to hear from a couple of folks um, from the Detroit People's Platform. Um, I'm sorry, let me name them: um, Nzinga, Asani Manuel, 
We'll hear from. Uh, we'll hear from Rochelle Stewart. And we'll also hear from Reverend Roz, Reverend Rosalind Bouye, out of Brightmore Connections, we thought with as well. And uh, they're going to share the work they've been doing around uh, not only strengthening this moratorium on addiction, but making sure that it's being enforced. Being enforced in, in, in thinking about how, you know, as citizens, as, as citizens, we don't have to seek moratoriums on these things, but seek, you know, a more holistic, mm-hmm. you know, idea and general about housing and how, the, you know, even though in a glo- it took a global pandemic to ease evictions that even lengthening it, and you did mention this, that just lengthening it is not the answer. You know, there's uh, needs to be, and of course, lengthening it is, is helpful in this moment in helping us survive. But the reality of flourishing and you know um, growing as a as a global community as a local community, we need to really rethink what what this the system of housing and housing inequity. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. This is much bigger than you know, the, and it is. I mean, it's even bigger, I should say, than, than the public health issue. I mean, we're really tr- looking for, um, we're looking at a long term objective of you know transformation such that you know things like water affordability and um you know housing security don't have to be legislated like they do now i mean we're, we're you know we're looking we're looking to change ourselves such that you know those things are for human rights and it's just you know the idea of someone getting evicted uh at any time would, would be considered a crime I'm excited to to you know have our listeners hear these conversations. They're very spirited. The folks from the Detroit People's Platform come with you know a, a serious passion mm-hmm. and and a liveliness for getting this information out and helping people understand the reality uh, because people do really get caught up in just the 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 horror the harrowing aspects of the pandemic in a health situation but that housing is completely tied into that because they want us to stay home and if you have no home to stay in how can we really fully engage with this pandemic in a in a meaningful way so yeah we, yeah we should know. mention also um well yeah i'm sorry let me address what you just said that that level of urgency you know we're lucky to have guests that definitely convey that level of urgency with which this issue should be approached you know, I mean, this is, we're talking about lives. We're talking about quality of life. This is a this is a vital conversation. We're lucky to have the guests we have. Um, I wanted to mention also, um, you know, we did. I think this is the first time we've done this. Where, where we're we've actually did, done the interviews in segments. Listeners will hear from Zinga and Rochella in the first segment, and uh, we were lucky enough to, to finally catch up with Reverend Reverend Rosalind Bouillet in Brightmore on site. Uh, we love doing the on-site interviews, a little recorder. You know, we caught up with uh, during the time when they they're doing a food when the food pantry is in full action. Let me put it like that. And um, they're doing what they do on Saturdays to to feed, clothe um, the community um, in and around Brightmore. So we we were lucky that um, Reverend Marsden gave us ten minutes, 10, 15 minutes to sit down with us on site as she was on the way out to uh, you know engage in that in that work. So we want to thank we want to thank everyone as well as an example of the show for, for being with us during that time that they were, were here. Do you have anything else you want to add before we dive into these interviews? 
I just want to say, you know, we're, we're so thankful for people who are listening. Um, you know, this is a uh, very important issue. I should try to, um, you know, we have some, uh, we, should, we should do a better job also, you know, following up and giving people resources to follow up with uh, some of these interviews. And um, I want to direct folks to, by the time you listen to this uh, interview, we should have a notice up on Instagram and perhaps even on uh, Facebook as well as some of our social media around places that people can visit to follow up on this issue and you know, there's a couple of petitions um there's uh there's um, the right to the city uh website which was uh which was involved in putting together this coalition this national coalition um this national day of action that happened on january 13th and we'll have a couple of other uh notes links resources up for folks to uh, follow up on this issue of housing eviction Please follow us at the magazine, on the social media, um, at the website, which will be relaunching and rebrand. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. But we thank you for listening and and keep up to date with us on here. We'll keep the episodes coming. Um, And now, please enjoy our conversations with Reverend Rosalind Poulier and Nzinga and Rochella from the Detroit People's Platform. All right, so we're here talking with Nzinga Mansani Manuel and Rochella Stewart, both of Detroit People's Platform, and we're talking about current moratorium on home evictions and utility shutoffs. And we're talking about uh, the effect that's having on perhaps hundreds, thousands of folks in the, in the city of Detroit. And we're talking about how to best see that that moratorium is extended for the length of the pandemic and beyond. We're with uh, Nzinga and Rochella. Thank you for joining us, both of you. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to Riverwise. Thank you for having us. Um, why don't we start with uh, Nzinga? Did you want to talk about um, leading up to this moratorium and, and, and into the pandemic? You know, Detroit's for much longer than the pandemic been fighting home evictions and uh, water shutoffs. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you're doing with, with Detroit People's Platform to address that situation? Well, as you know, Detroit has been in a need of a water affordability plan for years. Mm-hmm. And- Without the support from our local elected officials, seniors and single Detroiters have been living in humane conditions for many years. We have close to 10,000 households without clean running water. And when the governor instituted the moratorium on the water shutoff, Detroit Water Authority did not include the households who are not in their system. And there's more than 800,000 households currently behind in payments. Therefore, they're at risk at the water shutout. In Detroit today, they represent, on the, the people that represent the number on the top of the households who have n- not had running water for years. That's the point about the water. Um, I don't know if you want me to add any things about evictions. Well, I want to ask water. about. I want, we can stick with the water, definitely. I mean, that's okay. that's crucial, especially during the pandemic, that people right. are able to access clean water. I want to ask you about. You mentioned the people who aren't in the system, right? Um, and they and you, so you're talking about people who 
who are not in the payment plan. You're referring to people um, who aren't in the system and how the, how they're affected or not affected by the moratorium. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. Because we want people to know that the Detroit Water Authority did not include the households who are not in the system. And many people do not know that. And, you know, everybody is staying at home and clean water is very important. And how can you recover, you know, from this pandemic we're in without having clean water? And most people don't really care or have a concern about the public health of people in Detroit. Right. So folks who folks who weren't in the system going into the pandemic then. So the, and the, the moratorium we're referring to is the moratorium that, that the CDC and right. along with uh, other federal government agencies enacted in September. Is that yes. right? Well, yes. into the, well into the pandemic. Yes. And that moratorium or, or uh, order to stop water, water shutoffs affected folks moving forward. But folks who have already been shut off. You know, do they have an opportunity to get their water turned back on? It's kind of that's one of the things we're talking about, right? Right, and and I want to make this note about Detroit People's Platform. They surveyed about a hundred parents around the city of Detroit, and we discovered that parents weren't that were not returning to work until things were safe, or it was a necessity. Uh, I'm sorry, it was necessary to ensure that their whole family and sometimes other families will survive this pandemic. So as what I'm saying is that uh, they survive, I guess they surveyed over a hundred parents throughout the city and they mm-hmm. found out that they were not returning to work because they were in an unsafe environment and mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't survive. And a lot of people have were deceased. Some people died. Right. They couldn't survive at all through this. So we have folks who are already struggling with water security uh, on, top, on, top, on top of that, they're, they're struggling with job security as well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, Rochelle, did you want to... Uh... At uh, People's Platform, we did a lot of uh, phone banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, let people know about the water affordability uh, moratorium that was issued for the state. And we found out that a lot of people wasn't getting their water turned on. You know, they was denying people if you didn't have water on in your house or anything, or if you wasn't living in the house, then they wouldn't shut the water back on. Some people wasn't living in the home because it was no water in the home, so they were staying with somebody else. But because they didn't have the water on at the time, they wouldn't even cut it back on for the people. You know, we didn't have like 4,500 people that have been evicted from their homes between August of 2020 in November 2020, and it shouldn't have been any evictions because the moratorium was already there, but the landlord still was evicting these residents. My daughter got evicted back in July and didn't know that it was a moratorium out here, that they couldn't evict her, but because she didn't know and didn't ask me, she wound up having to move right away for the fear of being set out on the streets, and it's a lot of people out here like that, and it doesn't make sense when we're in a pandemic that government can bail out corporations, banks, anything else, but they cannot help the small businesses and the average American people that need this help. We didn't cause this pandemic. So why should we have to suffer through this pandemic? We pay taxes every day and you're giving our taxes away to corporations and everybody else. You can give them back to the people and make them debt free when this COVID is over so they can start over with a fresh slate because they didn't they didn't deserve this. Right. And I want to ask you about that same issue, too. Um, 
because it's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out. Um, you know, we hear about the moratorium on water shutoffs by by the government, and that sounds you know that sounds like a positive thing. But again, you know, you're talking about moving forward from the time that the moratorium starts. That doesn't necessarily affect folks who are already struggling with water security, water affordability, who may have even already been shut off from service. Um, but that's one of the things we're addressing. So we've got this day of action that came up. This is a national, a coordinated national action around the extension of the same moratorium, which was, which was enacted by uh, the CDC um, in September. And it, it's, due to, it's due to end very soon. Is that right? Yes. Our day of action was a, a thing of housing is the cure. And it was mm -hmm. all over from Boston, Washington, D.C., Florida, Georgia. It was all over the United States. Mm -hmm. And just ask them, please, please extend that CDC moratorium on water, utilities, and eviction. Right. We just don't need it on water and evictions. They need it on utilities, too, because these people are suffering. They don't have no money. Right. If you're not getting money from unemployment, if you're un unemployed, they waited $600 and replaced it with three, and now they're not getting anything. So hopefully when Biden come in, he will give us a good stimulus to get this back on the road. It's still not going to help the people. $1,200, $1,400 is not going to help them get out of debt. Mm -hmm. What is it, almost a year of being in COVID? It's, it's not going to happen. They're just too far in debt. Okay, I just want to ask a clarifying question. There was, there was the moratorium on water shutoffs, but was there an additional moratorium on evictions that happened after COVID happened? Because I know that, or, or were they both enacted in light of the pandemic. Yes. Yes. And it, when when did the moratorium on evictions start in, in, in opposition to the moratorium on water? The eviction started, I think it was like in May mm -hmm. 2020, and it's supposed to last up until the end of December. Right. And we was trying to get another extension, but as you know, they didn't put an extension in the in the stimulus pack. So looking at maybe Michigan will put a, you know, extended. Governor Whitner can extend that eviction. Governor Whitner can can extend the moratorium on evictions if, 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 she, if she decides to, you're saying? Yes, she can. Okay. So... She did a statewide with the water eviction. The water right. eviction wasn't just for Detroit, it was for the whole state. Right, and that was that was prior to the CDC moratorium, is that correct? I mean, because we, you know, we they were talking about moratoriums. The state was talking about a moratorium on water shutoffs a little, a little bit earlier on in the year. Um, yes, but they didn't enact it until after the COVID. Right, right, right. And so with this action, um, with this National Coordinated Day of Action, which just occurred on Wednesday, January yes. 13th, we're asking, you're asking folks to, you know, um, reach out to the legislators. Reach out to Rashida Tlaib, reach out to your city council members in Detroit, the district you're in, reach out to Mayor Mike Duggan. Mm -hmm. Ask them to support extend and it, this EDC moratorium on water shutoffs, utilities, and evictions. Right, because the city doesn't need the CDC to be able to make that to make that decision. No, they, want to. they can. The city can do they it can on do it own. So you know, Detroit People's Platform is very involved in this National Day of Action, which which um, there's several states that are involved, several organizations from several states around the country that are involved that were involved in this. Day of action. By the time we actually uh, 
by the time we broadcast this podcast, we'll, we'll have been we'll have gone beyond the uh, the date of, of the national action. But can you talk a little bit about any uh, coalition that came together around this uh, around this um, effort to extend the moratorium? Yeah, I can. Uh, this is in Zynga. It's called Right to the City Homes for All. Those are national organizations, and they mm-hmm. did collaborate with the Short People's Platform, and we did a telethon in the city of Detroit. That was a telethon from 10 a.m. to 3. And we, like like Rochelle said, that we did call our elected officials and we had people call their elected officials and they had a phone bank going. They were calling people, just telling them how important it is to stop these evictions and to the importance of this moratorium. We did wake up and educate a lot of people. And also, uh, we did watch on Facebook Live a lot of cities that had local action plans. And we watched them, we wrote comments, and we supported them. And like we said earlier, we did verbally contact Mayor Duggan. I did talk to his office. We did talk to the governor's office. We called or we emailed. And we, I think it was very a, a very effective, strong action plan. And we want to encourage people to keep doing that. I mean, we, we have the initial day of action, but I mean, this, these actions should be uh, encouraged to continue. Yeah. If anybody out there, they, if they're doing anything in the city of Detroit, you can always get on your Facebook, your Twitter, and just reach out and tell people. Call the mayor. Call your city council officials. Ask them to extend and, and, and extend this CDC eviction moratorium, utility, and water shutoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important. The more people that call, they're going to see that they need this and they'll take action. You mm-hmm. can always get something done if you got numbers. It might yeah. be a little bit of time, but that little bit, keep on doing a little bit more and you'll get to where you want to be. Can either of you talk a little bit more about agencies or organizations that people can reach out to if they're experiencing um, housing insecurity? You know, one of the things that um, I'm trying to get clarification on is it seems like the moratorium on home evictions is it true that it doesn't include mortgage foreclosures? It's supposed to be mortgage owners and renters. But if people have problems in the city, like with their property taxes and things like that, they can always go to the housing coalition that's on Temple and Second. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're having problems with uh, water, you can always go to uh, Metro. They have a wrap program that you can get on through the city if your uh, water is behind. Uh, it'll be $25 a month, and they'll pay your back your back a water bill for you as you're going and you stay on it for two years. Same thing if they're having problems with the heating. They can always call United Way or, or Metro and they can get on a plan with the LSP or get into a, some kind of payment plan. You know, uh, they can get help paying those bills, but you gotta, you gotta go through the right channels. If you're doing it, you gotta first go to the state, make sure they're not they're gonna pay some, if they're gonna pay something, then they'll that you go on United Way or Service Metro and get the rest of it paid. Because there's several places out here that can help you. They have an eviction hotline, United Community Services. You know, it's 866-313-2520. So that's United Community Housing Coalition. Definitely mm-hmm. call them. Yes. So we'll know. Well, I mean, you know, people have mentioned, that, you know, we're trying to get this moratorium extended into 2020 or further into 2021. But I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, the idea that, you know, a moratorium, 
it's something that should be worked into, you know, how we're thinking about, you know, how we think about each other, how the city takes care of its, uh, you know, its, its residents, its constituents, as far as, you know, we want to talk about water as a human right. We want to talk about, you know, housing as a human right, that, that both of which shouldn't need a moratorium if there's not a, a, a responsible affordability plan. Are there any uh, plans, um, even if the moratorium does get extended, can we talk about, you know, ways to work a permanent, what, what, what we'll call a permanent moratorium, you know, into uh, city or state policy? Really, I think it shouldn't just be a city or a state. I think it should be a national moratorium mm-hmm. on this. Because it's not just our state or our city that needs this. It's the cities all over the United States that need this. Mm-hmm. So in addition to doing it just with your state, I think we need to get with Biden administration and start flooding his office with emails, calls. that We need a national moratorium on evictions, utilities, and water shutoffs. You know, at least until several months after COVID is over, because like I said, once COVID is over, people still going to be in distress. They're going to have to regroup and get themselves together. It's going to take a couple of months to get that together. So I think it should be extended well at least four months after COVID is over. And as it stands right now, we still that that ending is still so far out that there has to be a conversation about, you know, how we not not just the idea of surviving, but also thriving and taking care and being you know as as positive and growth minded even within this and ideas like this and how folks shouldn't you know there's already a pandemic we shouldn't be fearing for where we're staying or where we're living or how we're cleaning our bodies when we are just trying to remain healthy and whole and active within our houses and our communities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the thing is that cd c eviction moratorium was deeply insufficient but we agreed with one uh, central pillar of it. The housing is undeniable issue of public health. The prescription to COVID-19 has been to stay at your home, wear masks and save lives for people to be able to follow these health guidelines. We need stable, affordable, and safe housing. We need to keep the water on so we can wash our hands. If housing is a health care during a pandemic, then we need to be able to stay in our homes. Yeah. These are people experience mountain debt. It is estimated that renters will face a total of $70 billion in rental arrears in January, many with no ability to pay as the economy continues to slow with the recent COVID-19 spiked again. So, yeah. I mean, what, you know. What, what, in your opinion, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm gone. I just wanted to ask, you mentioned that the uh, current moratorium, even in its current form, is, is insufficient. You know, if, if we're you know, we're trying to extend it, of course, but are we trying to strengthen it? What ways does it need to be strengthened, in your opinion? It needs to be strengthened with not just the evictions, because that's what they had it on, just evictions. It should be, like I said, utilities and the water. You know, everything should be in that moratorium: evictions, utilities, and water shutoffs. Okay. Because that's what everybody needs. If you don't have the water, how are you going to stay preventing COVID? You can't wash right. your hands, you can't clean your, your house. Right. You have to make some difficult choices when it comes down yeah. to it, you know, if, 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 it's, if it's not affordable. Um, yeah, I'll make one point. We have to flatten the yeah. curve of COVID-19 cases. We have to flatten the curve of evictions. Mm-hmm. We've got stable housing, strengthen rent protections, not only from evictions, but the mountain debt from back rent utilities as well. We need a federal rent cancellation executive order, ceasing all evictions actions at every step 
in the process, erasing rent debt, a program for small landlords to receive aid from the government, and no means tested. We have a lot of landlords that came to this city, and it is it's rich landlords. The small landlords then, then ceased to almost exist. And then when they come in and take over, then the rent is higher, and the people can't afford it, so they're getting evicted because the rent is too high. I'm sorry, and Zinka, did you want to jump in? I just wanted to make a point about, you know, our elected officials in Detroit are terrible. And yes. are terrible. They don't care about, the mayor doesn't care, or the city council. The only two city council members that really care about this topic is Mary Sheffield and Cortez, Catalina Cortez. Those are only two. The mayor, Lopez. Rashida Tlaib is on there too. No, no, but she's our, our young state congresswoman. Yes, Those are only three, and Senator yeah. uh, Stephanie Chang. Those are people who, are, who care about this topic. You really need to contact you know, Senator Chain or Rashida Tlaib, our congresswoman. But our elected officials are terrible. They yes. do not care. They do not care about evictions. They don't care about the water. Mike Duggan is a total disappointment. And everybody in Detroit knows that, but they scared of the, for the truth. This, we mm -hmm. are telling the truth today. He's mm -hmm. a terrible. He does not care about nobody's water being cut off or utilities or affordable housing. And this year is an election year. Everybody yeah. that's listening out there, please, please take the time to research the people you're voting for. Don't go on name recognition. Because if you keep going on that, we're going to see that the government that we have in Detroit. Yeah. You got to yeah. look out and research your politicians and pick the ones that best suit what you stand for and the ones that's going to stand up for us. Because we can voice our opinions all we want to and half the time. They are not listening to us and bid the doings of the residents of the city of this Detroit. A lot of them are not going to be sitting up there in their chairs at the end of this year when we vote. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we're at that time right now when, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're closing in on a local election and issues like water affordability and home eviction should be top priority. The, top priority. And we should be waiting to hear, you know, those those issues spoken by whoever's running for city council and mayors and the mayor's office. But we do have the Detroiters Bill of Rights. Are either of you familiar with the Detroiters Bill of Rights? I have to bring it up because you know we did some work on that uh, for this last yeah. issue. And um, it's an opportunity perhaps for, not only for the people to get more involved in the government process, but to see some of this language in our city charter, whereas water is considered a human right, you know, housings, housing and mobility are considered human rights as well. Hmm. It came out of council, President Pro Tem, Mary Sheffield's office. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we work closely with her. You know, I'm a member of Detroit Affordable Housing Task Force, so I work mm -hmm. with her. Very, I'm very, I was, we were at the press conference. So, yeah, we're very aware. And Detroit mm -hmm. People's Platform, we work closely with her. It was several, it was a lot of organizations that worked together on that Bill of Rights. Right. Uh, right. You know, because we want to make sure Black, Brown, Indigenous, Everybody was covered in this Bill of Rights. Yeah, there's some very strong language involved. And um, I mean, we should look, you know, we should think of it as, a, as uh, you know, a continuation of this work that's been, that's been happening in the streets throughout the year in Detroit. And, and hopefully that translates into some real policy changes. Yep. Um, yes. In the city hopefully, in the hopefully we can see a future where, you know, having days of actions and moratoriums for evictions becomes you know, a thing of the past. If we can mm -hmm. enshrine this kind of language 
and these kind of, you know, given rights for people who live in these uh, metropolitan areas. And they seriously got to work on that uh, medium income, AMI. They mm. have to work on mm. that because as it stands now at the 30%, they got it at 16000 you know, for for the limit. And most people that's in the city of Detroit, if they're on SSI, if they're on Social Security, a lot of them is not getting that kind of money. So they don't even qualify for the housing because it's over $1,000. So how are you going to pay $1,000 and you only get an 800 Mm-hmm. So I think that area median income, that's an issue that they really need to seriously take care of because yeah. it's, it's it's not getting a lot of people into housing. It's keeping a lot of low income out of housing, especially the ones that's at the 200 percent poverty level. Well, thank you so much for keeping us informed, keeping us inspired. Thank you. Thank you. The floor is yours. And we appreciate you both of you being here. And um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And supporting uh, the moratorium that's in place now and supporting an extension on the moratorium. And like, like Amas said, you know, supporting the idea that, you know, we're not going to, in the near future, we shouldn't have to talk about moratoriums because, you know, we'll have in place a feasible water ability, a water affordability plan. Um, we'll have in place, you know, a housing security plan, whereas, you know, housing and water and, and, and other utilities are, are considered human rights um, and not to be cut off at all for folks who can't afford it. And Zinga Masani Manuel and Rochella Stewart volunteering with the Detroit People's Platform. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting us. And um, we're going to be talking to Reverend uh, Rosalind Bouye from the Brightmore Connections Pantry out in Brightmore. Okay. I'm here. Out, I'm out of Brightmore Connections. Eric Campbell from Riverwise Magazine, trying to track Reverend Rods down. She's moving uh. quick. <laughs> but we got to talk about this. We just had a um, we just had a day of action, a national day of action on Wednesday the 13th. Today's MLK Day. Happy MLK Day to Happy you. Happy MLK Day as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're yes. in the middle of. We're doing a food giveaway. What's getting ready Today to happen? Today is food pantry day. Yes, food distribution day. Okay. So Every yes. Saturday. I mean, well, I'm sorry. That, Monday, Tuesdays, Saturday. Monday. and Saturdays. Okay. Monday, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Monday, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we started the conversation with Nzinga and Rochella from Detroit People's Platform. Right. Talking about the uh, National Day of Action mm-hmm. around um, pushing for an extension of the moratorium on evictions. Yes. So what I want to ask you first is, just because I want to make, I want to make sure this is clear to ourselves and our readers, there's a, there's a national moratorium, which was, uh, uh, which was put out by the CDC, Yes. moratorium on evictions mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Right. But preceding that, there was also a statewide uh, moratorium was. on water shutoffs. But did that, did that uh, deal with evictions as well, or no. was that just water shutoffs? That was water. Okay. That was water. So the, the moratorium on evictions really just really yeah. just came about so in September. So the city had, um, there was a state eviction. The water in the state was, uh, the, the housing eviction wasn't rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the city had um, an eviction moratorium in place, okay. the state, excuse me. And so, but it, it was birthed out of the federal one, right? Okay, okay. So, yeah, that's the piece there. And that started around the same time, time same time frame, September? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. what we're looking at now is um, March is when the eviction moratorium ends, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, so the National Day of Action was to lift up awareness and raise consciousness around the fact that families are living under distress right mm -hmm. now as we speak because not knowing what's going to happen March 1st. The prayer and the hope and the ask is, is that state and, and uh, <coughs> elected officials and local elected officials would come on, sign on, and support mm -hmm. of a eviction moratorium being extended along with strengthening the moratorium, mm -hmm. right? Um, strengthening it by saying that instead of expecting people to put the money to the side, which is money that people don't have to put to the side, mm -hmm. um, but saying that we're going to cancel out the rent and cancel out the legacy utility debt. We're not seeing that happen, and the question is why not? Why, why, why is that such a hard thing to ask when we see it happen every day with Wall Street and big business and, you know, everyone else? And so families should have that same respite of relief to know that, you know what, my slate is going to be wiped clean. I get a after, you know, <clears throat> that the eviction moratorium be extended, but that also that what I have out, you know, outstanding will be wiped away. Mm -hmm. Here in the city of Detroit, long last uh, Wednesday, the day of action, we uh, sought out local elected officials. When I say we, I'm, I'm speaking of Detroit People's Platform, which mm -hmm. I'm a member of. And, um, and uh, so what happened was we could not get them to sign on. We were only able to get one signature, and that was Council Member Tate, who did sign on to the um, support letter for the uh, eviction moratorium being extended and that um, it be strengthened. We couldn't get any other council member to sign on, to respond back, and we have yet to, unless I'm mistaken, in, in my last conversation last night, there was no other state members, uh, state reps that had signed on as well. Okay, let's, let's, let's be clear about this. We're trying to get uh, state legislators. And local. And local city elected officials mm -hmm. to sign on to a letter of support of for support. the families for the very people that they had okay. that had been elected by okay. the constituents and the, and the, the letter is pushing the CDC to to extend the moratorium mm -hmm. and to strengthen the moratorium mm -hmm. right to understand that, that because right now eviction moratorium the money that's coming out is only benefiting the landlords and when I say landlord I'm talking about large I'm talking about the, the corporate corporation landlords mm -hmm. the mom and pop landlords small businesses small homeowners that have a house and they just need some, they're renting to somebody for their taxes to be paid. They're not benefiting at all. Families are not benefiting from the uh, eviction moratorium, the monies that have come down. Mm -hmm. Only ones that are benefiting are those who are, we know to be the land grabbers, mm -hmm. okay, the land barons. So the city council members who have not signed on. Right. You said only James Tate has signed on. Only James far. Tate has signed on. Uh, what, 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 would their, what would their reasoning be? What, what, why would they possibly I couldn't answer on? that, but yeah. what I can do is say this. Whatever the reason is, let me put it to you this way. The majority of people today, majority of the folks today that we know are working, are working from home. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, whatever reason they have, it can't be a good one. Because if you have the luxury, I know a number of them said, well, my, you know, we tried to reach uh, Tyrone Carter, the state. Um, Lopez and uh, Sheffield, a couple of them said they've had hectic and busy schedules all week. That's what they told us last week. You know what else is hectic? When you're trying to scavenge around, trying to find out where you're going to live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's no excuse for it. There's no justification for it. There's not that much going on. When your constituents, the very people that, you, that voted you into office, are depending on you to make sure that they don't lose the roof over their heads. Okay. And all that's required of you is to sign a letter of of support to show, to, excuse me, to say that, yes, I support the fact that the moratorium should be extended and that it should be strengthened because it's not benefiting the constituents that I represent. Mm -hmm. That's all we're asking for. That's mm -hmm. not a lot, to, that's not a huge ask. 
But whatever the reason is, it's not a justifiable one. Because unless you're someone who was in the hospital with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. You should have signed on that letter for your constituents. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse for it. So we're not just talking about extending the time frame for the for the moratorium. We're also no. talking about strengthening strengthening the moratorium. And I, I know you just, the, yeah. you, just, you, you just touched on that. Mm -hmm. But can you talk a little bit more about how this moratorium, as it currently uh, is 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 stated, how does it need to be strengthened? Well, um, we, we we need to strengthen it around. Um, Families not having to have legacy bills left behind. Mm -hmm. um, understand, too, that it needs to be folks who's, um, who are listed as uh, slated to be evicted. It does not show up on the credit. Um, that this is not used against them later on down the line mm -hmm. to be able to rent another place or to get into another a housing unit. Because that's what we see, we see it following folks. It's kind of like the water bills, right? The water it's, it's not kind of, it's just like the water bills. With the legacy water bills and utility bills, it follows you. Mm -hmm. And so it eliminates folks from being able to get what they need. Mm -hmm. And so we need to strengthen that. We need to strengthen it by, by saying, you know, uh, we have too many families that have, are in fear of being evicted. And even with this, even with, with the um, eviction being, uh, uh, moratorium being extended, even with that ex extension, it should look stronger in the sense that families are benefiting and not Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And not the uh, local developers, not... The food, the, excuse me, the um, land bank, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, we need to make sure that families have a place of safety and that they also do not have a bill hanging over them, bad credit hanging over them, that they have um, this, the uh, knowledge of knowing that down the line I'll still be able to get housing or I won't lose my Section 8, I won't lose my federal housing. That's our problem now. But, but then also with strengthening, when we talk about strengthening, we need to, it needs to be strengthened with certain tenants, right? Where we know that families have the ability to say, okay, but this is what's better for me. I can, you know, um, I want to give you a couple. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me beer to the side for, mm -hmm. for a minute. Mm -hmm. So even though there's an eviction moratorium going on here in Brightmore, which is where the pantry is, families are still being evicted. They're being excuse me, evicted illegally. Um... We don't see the uh, dumpster pulled up, but we see the landlords coming in, a lot of these corporate landlords coming in and putting, taking all the items out of the folks' homes. Mm. So we need to make sure that families are not afraid to come out of the shadows and say, you know what, I've been, my things have been taken. Yes, I'm behind in my rent, but at the same time, there needs to be a penalty, there needs to be um, uh, repercussions for the, for the landlords and for these large corporations who are preying on folks because they know that people can't pay this right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to make sure I got that in because no, I want to make okay. sure people understand that there is evictions going on right now illegally. And the other thing as far as evictions going on, the moratorium, this current moratorium we're talking about, the, the, the federal moratorium mm -hmm. started on September right. 4. Folks were being evicted up until that point. They were being evicted right? up until they, that point. And, and, and then what kind of reprieve do they have? They have no reprieve. And then right. you have people who right now, according to the latest... Um, report that are waiting on the dockets, right? Uh -huh. um, come March 1st, they'll be the first one slated for eviction. When the, when the moratorium ends? When the moratorium ends. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So those are the ones that, these are, these are the folks that I'm saying that there's no excuse for elected officials to support. And then go beyond the support because the Biden administration can do this. This is, some, this is a doable fix. Mm -hmm. This is not like we're asking for something um, far-fetched. 
there's no reason why we can't say we're going to wipe out rearages of of uh, uh, rent and mm -hmm. um, taxes, property taxes and mortgage payments and utility bills because we've seen it happen too many times with Boeing. We've seen it happen to, with Bank of America when they bailed out Wall Street, when they bailed out the banks. We can bail. We need to bail out our, our, our fellow neighbors. We need to bail out our fellow fellow citizens. Bail out the people for, for yeah, yeah, the ones who are right who suffered the most yeah. and have the le have got the least. Um, yeah. Now I know there's some there's some resources out there for folks who are. Uh, most impacted by these policies supposed to be right it um, shouldn't but it's so the perimeters are so high for folks to get to it that's the only problem too so what's high the perimeters the obstacles yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah right mm -hmm. anytime you have to do because we're in the middle of a pandemic so we have to understand most people um who are forced to exist on the margins of society have very little access to wi-fi to um scanning um and sending in documentation uploading documentation myself personally i'm just I just moved into a home, and so I need to have the water changed to my name, and mm -hmm. I had to do an application with the water company to get water. Mm -hmm. I have to apply for water in this city. I had to print out the application, fill it out, then scan it back in, along with my ID and along with proof of uh, property uh, affidavit, right? Mm -hmm. I have the privilege of having a printer right there for me to be able to access to do that with. That's a privilege that I that I am that I have upon me, bestowed upon me, and that I have, I don't take lightly. Mm -hmm. But this is a pandemic, right? Most people don't have the access to that. But more importantly than that, why do I have to do application and wait seven to ten days to hear back if I've been approved to have access to water, and then do a hundred fifty dollars security deposit mm -hmm. because that's the requirements, right? Mm -hmm. In like manner, we see families every day who are forced to have to go to what we call these. Um, uh, well, I, 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 I really, I don't want to even say that there's um, resources available because if they're they're not easily accessible, yeah. right? Right. Uh, there's, if the remedy is not nearly as easy as the problem is, then we, we, we're, we're putting too much of a burden on families. Mm -hmm. So most of the families do not have access to scanners and printers, uploading documentation, because most folks operate off their phones. Mm -hmm. and, the, and there's limited, uh, that can, limited um, tasks can be done on the phone. But more importantly than that, the question is, why is there 54-page applications with Wayne Measure? Mm -hmm. Why is it so hard to get access to the money? Mm -hmm. With, the, with um, CARES money, CARES money has not been released into the community, and that's specifically what CARES money was set up for, was for rent. To, for the CARES money relief package was specifically slated for those who are in the uh, process, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in um, danger of losing their home, being evicted from their home, utilities shut off, water shut off, and um, food. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing that go to the families. Mm -hmm. But what we are seeing happen is all these glorified, glor excuse me, glorified social service programs popping up. And locally, through Duggan and, you know, um, his deputy mayor, Conrad Mallard, and the C uh, CHC, Community Health Corps, coming out to community, and they're just interviewing people. Families have still not really gotten access to the monies that's been slated for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. That's problematic. Mm -hmm. and we, need to, we need to address that. We need to, uh, we need to be honest about what we're seeing. And yet, the same people, the same city council, that could not return the call and could not sign on a letter of support for the families who have been evicted, they did vote so that the CARES money would go to a glorified social service program and not to the families mm -hmm. directly. Mm -hmm. So that becomes the issue. Who are you supporting? Are you supporting your, are you fighting for your constituents or the Duggan machine downtown? Mm -hmm. Right? We'd, we'd the Duggan regime. Because I don't want to call it a machine. Cause That's okay. Yeah. One more question. Those of us who are privileged enough to, you know, 
not be as impacted by these policies, right. maybe can move around a little bit more. Yeah, and we've we, got to do the we've got to do the advocacy. What should work. we be doing? What should we advocating? Be doing? We should yeah. be advocating. We should maybe making calls to our local state officials and uh, local governance officials, and we should be challenging them on why it's not important and it's incumbent upon them to respond to the families and the community. We need to challenge that. We need to put that on every every podcast, every platform we have. We need to use to lift up and call out names of those who have the power and the ability to do this, but mm -hmm. are refusing to, on behalf of the families. We keep talking, keep keep talking truth to power. Keep we talking, have to talking truth to people yes. who are in. And in we have and we have to be willing to expose. Yeah. Yeah, we okay. have to expose. We have to uncover the truth, right? Mm -hmm. We can't continue to allow it to hide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. Your your first question was. Well, what, 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 what do you think probably was the reason why? There's no reason. There's mm -hmm. no justifiable reason for me not to be concerned with someone who doesn't have housing in the middle of a pandemic, much less any other time. Right? Yeah, that's the problem. We're out here at Brightmore talking to Reverend Rosalind Bouillet in the middle of, in the middle of, always, always in the always middle of Always in the of middle of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we appreciate you giving us 10 <laughs> Thank minutes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much I for apologize. talking to us. We're going to do our part. Uh, yeah, we got to get it out. up. We got to lift it up. We got folks out here who are really suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Okay. We got folks out here really being evicted. Yeah. Yeah, All right. we do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. So you're welcome. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. This is Eric Campbell from Riverwise Magazine. We want to thank you for listening to the Riverwise podcast. As we navigate these challenging times of collective mourning, protest, and transformation, we're grateful to be part of a vital network of community-based media. And your continued support is vital. So we just want to take a minute and recognize the people keeping the Riverwise podcast project afloat. These people include the Riverwise Collective, the James and Grace Lee Boggs Center to Nurture Community Leadership, Kari Frazier and the Detroit is Different Network, Heidi Osgood, L'Oreal West, Valerie Jean, Reverend Joan Ross for her inspiration at WNUC Community Radio. We want to thank Sterling Tolls for his musical contributions to the Riverwise podcast. We want to thank the Detroit Journalism Engagement Fund for their continued support of Riverwise since 2018 through the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. And finally, we want to thank the people listening, building community, nurturing community, self-reliance throughout the city of Detroit. And with your help, we'll continue to share our stories of self-determination throughout the city and beyond. Throughout the year 2021 and beyond, please reach out to us. Send us your stories, your letters, your poems, your photos, your thoughts at Riverwise Detroit at gmail.com or visit the website www.riverwisedetroit.org Thank you so much for listening. Peace.